Today, as you can see, begins a new sermon series uh, in the book of Exodus. It's the second book of the Old Testament. We're on like old and hallowed ground. I mean, all of Scripture is hallowed, but Exodus, we're talking about like these events happened 3,500 years ago, roughly. And I mean, the 4th of July, I think, marked, uh, what is it, the 238th anniversary of our country. Exodus happened like 15 U.S. histories ago. That is a long time ago. And this country is old, right? So we are going way back from Acts. We're, going, we're rewinding all the way back to Exodus uh, 3,500 years ago. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I wasn't a Christian until I was 29 years old. So I'm 35 now. So I came late in the game. And when I met my wife, like the biggest hurdle for me in, back then in Scripture was Exodus. That was my biggest hurdle. When I met my wife, I was like, you really believe, like, this happened? Really? Like, you really believe God parted the Red Sea? You really believe he spoke out of a burning bush? Really? And she's like, yeah. (laughs) Duh. I'm like, all right, okay, cool. So, but I really, you know, I was kind of tailspinning in my life, and I was really seeking answers, and I opened my heart up to the scriptures, and God just revealed himself, and he started working in my life, and he started showing me and helping me to understand who he is, and I think really, it wasn't so much my disbelief that the problem was, I mean, obviously that's an issue, but really, I didn't, you know, Exodus was such a hurdle because I didn't have a right understanding of who God is. That was, you know, one of my issues also. I didn't have a right understanding of who he is. Man, Exodus... I'm telling you, like, it's a powerful book. Uh, it's a powerful book. Exodus is like God's personal reveal party. You know, my wife and I are about to have this kid, and I, I got this, like, this whole kid mindset, and I'm like, man, this is like God's reveal party. I mean, he just reveals himself in dramatic ways. You know, just heavy doses of revelation, one after the other in Exodus. Uh, it's amazing. And in the midst of this reveal party, God shows his redemptive plan to us. Israel is in bondage to slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt. We're in bondage in slavery to sin. God delivers Israel out of their bondage to slavery under Pharaoh. God delivers us out of our bondage to sin. And then when we're delivered, we walk in freedom in a relationship with Jesus. When he delivered Israel, they walked in freedom in their relationship with God, right? And then when you're delivered... And you walk in that freedom, you understand that, man, life is not easier. Life is better, but it's not easier. And we're continually, have, we're continually having to depend on God and his, uh, and his provision. Uh, so that's kind of a, an underlying uh, theme that we're going to be going through here uh, in Exodus the next several weeks. And we can't preach all of Exodus, so we're going to string together ten essential scriptures that will give us a broad view uh, of the book, and this broad view of Exodus will show us Jesus. The Old Testament is all about Jesus. The Old Testament is just as much of a Christian book as the New Testament is. And we're going to see Jesus in the Old Testament, and kind of our anchor verse going forward the next 10 weeks is in the Gospel of John, where Jesus said this. John wrote in chapter 5, verses 46 and 47, up there on the screen. 
Jesus said, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. Jesus, he's talking about the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. Moses wrote those books. He's like, he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? That's powerful. So we're going to hearken back to Exodus. We're not going to go through all five books of the first five books of the Old Testament. We're going to do Exodus. And today, in particular, we're going to learn five things about the revelation of God and his call on our lives today uh, as it pertains to a relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for revealing yourself every day, Lord, uh, in small and big ways. Uh, God, I just pray that you give us the hearts and the minds and the eyes to recognize uh, you revealing yourself. Um, It's just plain. Uh, You're in front of us, Lord, and I just pray that you give us courage and strength and confidence in you, um, that we can boldly go forward in faith uh, and surrender uh, to you, Lord. And I pray that uh, this sermon series, Lord, everybody sees Jesus. Uh, They don't see Brian. They don't see Ezra. They don't see Keith. They don't see Scott. They see nothing but you, Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think, you know, it's really important. When you're going into the Old Testament, you know, the Old Testament is... I'm not sure what the number is. I think it's like 70 to 80% of the Bible. I mean, it's, there's a lot in there. There's a lot going on. So when you go back to read something, it's important to do a little bit of research and understand the context of where exactly you are in the Old Testament uh, because the Old Testament spans many, 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 many years. Um, so in particular here, where we are in Exodus chapter 3, Israel has been in Egypt for about 400 years, 400 years roughly past between uh, the end of Exodus and, or I'm sorry, the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus. Genesis ended on a, with Israel on a positive note. Um, Jacob had his 12 sons who would become the 12 tribes of Israel, and it is those 12 tribes that God's going to develop uh, the nation of Israel uh, through the seed of Abraham. And they ended Genesis at about 70 people, uh, roughly. And now, here in the beginning of Exodus, 400 years later, There are over a million people. So God is fulfilling his promise. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Uh, But since the end of Genesis, though, as the years went on, those 400 years, uh, the state of Israel has drastically worsened. Each pharaoh that went by, each one forgot about the past a little bit more and more and more. So by the time that we come to here now in Exodus, uh, pharaoh is a mean, mean man. Uh, He's not cool. Um, but the state, the state of Israel has drastically worsened, and they're currently in bondage uh, to slavery under Pharaoh. And in God's sovereign timing, he makes himself known, and he prepares to do something big. Now, as you read the Old Testament, when God does something big, what's he do? God, he raises up a leader. He raises up a leader, and that's where we are today. We're at the call of Moses. God is going to raise up Moses So we're going to start with verse 1. Verse 1. Thank you, Sharpie. Verse 1. So it says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. I really want to unpack this uh, one singular verse. Uh, It's going to kind of set the foundation for this sermon 
and I, I think, you know, going forward, too, in the, in the sermon series, um, Moses was born and raised as a prince in Egyptian royalty, uh, he, while his fellow Hebrews slaved away under Pharaoh. So Moses uh, grew up privileged. And trying to liberate his people, though, he actually took things into his own hands, um, and he killed an Egyptian for harassing one of his fellow Hebrews. And what a bonehead. Total bonehead. So he ran away to his in-laws. <laughs> Guys, can you imagine living with your in-laws for 40 years? Think about that. <laughs> That's not cool. <laughs> not cool at all. I know. I know this because I live with my in-laws. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for six months. We weren't married yet. But we were engaged, and they're my future in-laws, so I consider them my in-laws. And I got one word for you, humbling, humbling, okay? So before he could do God's work, God had to do a work in Moses. So, and God's in this. You know what I'm saying? Moses doesn't know it, but God's working through this. You know, he's using Moses' boneheadedness. And uh, Moses goes from the palace as a prince, right, to the pen as a shepherd. You know, he's, he's raised up high as a prince, and God brings him low as a shepherd. And he goes from riches to rags. God's like, you know what, I'm going to take you out of the palace, and I'm going to put you with the sheep, with your in-laws, for 40 years. Not cool at all. So he's killed a man. He's living with his in-laws. He's got sheep for friends, and it's 40 years there is nothing good about this situation to us, <laughs> to us. But you want to know how God sees it? Remember, God is in this. He's working. This is the way God sees it. This is God's eyes. God's like, you spent the last 40 years as a shepherd learning about faith, humility, hard work, patience, discipline, obedience, that's how God sees it, right? So unbeknownst to Moses, God has him right where he wants him to be. And it's the same with us. He's got us right where he wants us to be. I can give a short little testimony about my boneheadedness, okay? So I never wanted to come back up to Philadelphia. I'm from here, but I moved down to Georgia uh, back in 2007, and I grew to like it, and I never wanted to come back up here, never did. I was like, I, don't, I didn't even want to come back up to the Northeast, you know. And my wife, she, like the southern belle she is, you know, she doesn't want to leave Georgia. She wants to move to Charleston and just live in like a retirement life the rest of her life. <laughs> so, so, you know, we're growing in our relationship with Jesus. And I get a phone call in January of 2011 from a guy up here at a golf course. I used to be a golf professional. And he's like, I want you to come up here and work for me. And I'm like, and back then, like, I was still selfish. I was still kind of playing tug of war with God, still wanting my own way. I, I wanted God's way, but it just didn't work out that way. And the way I saw this was, mm, title, mm, money, raise, you know, a prestigious golf course. This is, this is you know, it was really tugging on me. And I could, my selfishness was working and what I ended up doing was we prayed about it. We had a week to decide. We prayed about it. 
It was, it was artificial prayers, trust me. And I dragged my wife from the south out of my selfishness and my sin. I bring her up here to Philadelphia. Philadelphia. We didn't want to come up here. And I did it for a title, I did it for money, and I did it for the prestige of the golf course. And two months into it, things weren't going well at all. And I was like, God, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? And that's when I surrendered. That's when I surrendered completely. I was like, God, I'm out. I don't know what to do. I'm out. Folks, what I'm trying to tell you is this is my first point. God's like, because I am, I can. Because I am, I can use your boneheadedness. (laughs) Because I am, because of who I am, you are right where I want you to be. Because of who I am, you are not outside of my sovereignty, ever. Because of who I am, you are not outside of my ability to use this situation for my good purpose and for your good. Because of who I am, I can. Verses 2 through 6. This is, these, these verses are like the reveal party right here. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. God's like, before we go any further, you best recognize who I am. We're not going any further yet. God commands respect and worship. When I was a kid... I'm not going to lie, I grew up uh, like a spoiled country club kid, okay? Played golf, played tennis, I swam, and we had awesome clay courts at this country club, and my friends and I, we would love playing on the clay courts because you can get dirty and you can, like, slide around. And then we would finish playing tennis, and we would go to my friend's house. You know, I would clean off the bottom of my shoes to get the clay off because clay is just kind of, like, thick, and if it gets uh, too, much, too much moisture, it really sticks to your shoes. So I clean them off, and we go inside, and my friend's dad, I remember, he's like, boy, take your shoes off. And I'm like, but I cleaned the clay off my shoes. And he's like, it ain't about the clay, boy. It's about respect. Take your shoes off when you come in my house. The first thing required of Moses is he must worship and respect God's like, keep your distance. Take your new balances off and worship me. (laughs) God reminds Moses of his relationship with his forefathers. God's like, remember that God? Those stories you heard from your father and your grandfather, remember him? That's me. That's me. I'm that God. Folks, it's not about you. It's not about the one called It's about the one doing the calling. It's all about him. All about him. God's like, the only way this works is by recognizing who I am and you understanding my holiness. God's like, and this is my second point, he's like, because I am, I command. 
Because I am, I command respect. I command worship. Because of who I am, this doesn't work without worship. God's like, make like Mr. Rogers and take your shoes off when you get in my house. (laughs) Somebody thought that was funny. Verses 7 through 10. These may be some of my favorite verses in Exodus. It's very gospel-ish. Gospel-ish. Verses 7 through 10. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God's like, your, your cries are reaching me. I am not distant. Your cries are coming to me. Trust me. I know what's happening. I see it. I hear it. I know it. We're dealing with a personal, living, loving, gracious God. He notices what's going on in our life. He assures Moses that he's going to bring Israel out of Egypt, and he reminds him that he's going to bring them into something else. It doesn't stop after he brings them out. He's going to bring them into something which is better, a greater existence with him in the promised land. He does the same thing in our lives today. He hears our prayers. Our prayers are reaching him. They're going up there. He's listening. He's like, because of what I see, hear, and know, I will deliver you. I will deliver you, and I will bring you into a greater presence, a greater existence in my presence. Folks, when you read in the Old Testament, and God says something like, I will, (laughs) it's done. Like, it hasn't even happened yet. It's done, though. That's how God works. When he says, I will, it's done. You can count on it. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. That's my next point. That's my third point. God's like, because I am, because I am, I will do this. I will do this thing. Count on it. Not because of who you are, but what you do. It's because of who I am. Because I am, I will do this thing. Verses 11 to 12, busting through 15 verses here in Exodus. This is awesome. Verses 11 through 12. But Moses said to God, Who am I (laughs) that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Folks, we've learned that Moses was raised in Egyptian royalty, receiving the finest education and the finest upbringing, but he's been humbled, right? He's been humbled by, he killed a man, he's living with his in-laws for 40 years, and his friends are sheep. This is humbling. So based on his question to God, who am I, 
it's pretty clear what's going on in his heart and mind. He's got some insecurities. You know, he's got some confidence issues, right? God doesn't even answer his question. I love that. <laughs> Moses is like, who am I? God's just like, I'll be with you. <laughs> no, he, he, what does he do? He just turns the attention back on himself. He's like, it's not about you. <laughs> I'm going to do this. I'm going to be with you. Right? He makes it clear that Moses won't go at it alone. This is a partnership. This is a partnership. But I will be with you. We love to focus on getting answers. We love it. Sometimes I don't even think we're asking the right questions. Moses is like, who am I? The proper question he should be asking, and what we should all be asking is, who is God? Not who am I? Who is God? It's God's presence that makes us able to do his work, not our own strength. It's not about us at all. We don't need more confidence in ourselves. We already have plenty of that deep down in our hearts. God's like, what you need is you need more confidence in me. (laughs) That's what you're lacking. You need more confidence in who I am. Another short testimony in my life. Before my first sermon that I preached, I used to hate public speaking. I used to fear it. It was heights and public speaking. Those were my two big things, and spiders. Um, three big things. I never, I always avoided public speaking at all, most costs. I never wanted to do it, but I went to Ezra one day, and I was like, man, I just really feel like God's tugging on my heart towards ministry, and some time passed after that, and naturally, if you feel like God's calling you to ministry, the natural thing to do is to give you an opportunity to preach, to see, you know, if, if, you, can, if you can do it. Um, you should have seen me the first two, the, the two months before this first sermon. I was an absolute wreck. <laughs> Bless my wife's heart for putting up with me. Losing sleep, praise God. Losing sleep. She lost sleep. And after a while, I was like, God, because, you see, I was focusing on my confidence issues in myself, my, my insecurities, I was like, God, this can't be how it is, following you. This can't be how it is. So after a while, I was like, you know what, God? If you're calling me to do this thing, I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to do my part, but I'm going to trust in you that you're going to do your part. And here we are today. Now, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another thing. Now it's like church planning. Like this whole church planning thing is like, dude, I have no idea what to do or what I'm doing. Like, God, I feel like you're calling me to plant church, but I don't know where to do or where to go. But that's how he wants it. (laughs) He wants you out of it so he can do it. And he's going to lead the way. Forget your insecurities and your confidence issues. You need more confidence in me. That's my fourth point. God's like, because I am, because of who I am, you can. Because of who I am, you can do this. Because of who I am, I am going to do it with you, and I'm going to do it for you. (laughs) You're you're an instrument. And I'm doing this because I love you. (laughs) Verses 13 
through 15. Then Moses said to God, if. Here's another question. Moses just asking questions. If. If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? <laughs> God said to Moses, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I am who I am. <laughs> I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Folks, when you read the Old Testament, there's a frequent recurring theme. God says this this phrase, so that they will know that I am the Lord. He'll start it off with like, I'm going to do this so they will know that I am the Lord. It's all about glorifying God. It's all about us knowing that he is the Lord. God's like, in these verses, you're going to win Israel with my name. Because Moses is like, how am I supposed to get these elders and these people to back me? They're going to think I'm crazy. God's just like, just say my name. Say my name, say my name. (laughs) That was totally off the cuff. I did not... I didn't plan that. (laughs) The mere mention of my name, God, is like, it's going to stir the hearts of the people. The mere mention of my name, and they will back you. They will follow you out of Egypt. And that's my fifth point. God's like, because I am, they'll know. Because of who I am, they'll know. Through my name. They will know that I am the Lord, the God of their fathers. His name reveals everything about him. His nature, his character, his name embodies everything about him. And it's his name to be remembered forever. Can you imagine somebody with the audacity and the gall to be like, yeah, my name is I am. (laughs) Can you imagine that? (laughs) Jesus did. Jesus did. Jesus is like, I am the bread of life. He's like, I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus has the gall and the audacity to say these things because Jesus is, I am. Jesus is, I am. There is no one like Jesus. Jesus is God's ultimate revelation of himself. You see God revealing himself in the Old Testament. It's just preparation. In several thousand years, I'm about to give you the ultimate revelation of myself in Jesus Christ. Just as God sent Israel deliverer to Moses... He sent us a greater deliverer in Jesus. Jesus sees our affliction. He hears our cries. He knows our suffering. He's been there before. He's been there before. Jesus went from the palace to the pen, right? He went from heaven and he came down here. He went from riches to rags. 
He went from riches to rags to deliver us. We live through his death. We need to stop asking, who am I? We need to start asking, who is Jesus? Quit focusing on ourselves and start just focusing on Jesus and his presence. In Jesus, God has once and for all made himself known to the world, and only through Jesus can we know God. Only through Jesus can we know God. When we rightly know who Jesus is, it doesn't matter what we can't do. It doesn't matter what we can't do. I love this <laughs> because knowing God is sufficient for every work. That's all you have to do. How simple is that? It's so, it's so simple. And when we rightly know who Jesus is, we can boldly step forward confidently and answer his call with certainty. We can disciple men and women. We can preach God's word. We can share the gospel. We can live on mission. We can go to Brazil. We can lead for Christ in our families. We can lead for Christ in our communities. We can lead for Christ in our churches. Because I am, I can. Because I am, I command. Because I am, I will. Because I am, you can. Because I am, they'll know. It's all about God. And he's revealing himself to you today today and tomorrow and the next day. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Pray with me. God, we just uh, humbly come before you, Lord, and we just praise you for your love and your generosity, your grace and mercy to give us your word. Lord, your word is powerful, God. We are not powerful. You are. God, we need more confidence in you. We don't need more confidence in ourselves. God, just show us yourself every day when we leave here and we go out into our communities and our neighborhoods and our families and, and we come back here on Sunday or into our small groups, God. Reveal yourself. Show us who you are. And show us what you want, Lord. Be the big, big and bold God that we see in your word, Lord, in our lives. Teach us to be faithful and obedient so you reveal more of yourself to us. And that we know and worship and respect your ultimate revelation of you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Folks, I want to give, uh, we want to pray for you and encourage you. I'm going to be outside these doors. Uh, the band's going to play some music, and Keith will be outside the doors as well. We want to pray for you. Anything, if you want prayer, we'll be out there. We want to be an encouragement to you, and we want to love on you. We want to be family to you. Will you stand with us?